Welcome to the Chapman CG podcast series, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. Welcome to this latest edition of the Chapman CG podcast series. I'm delighted to be here with Dr. Robert Kovach, Director of Leader Success at Cisco. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to discussing the topic of how to effectively build cross-generational teams in today's climate with you. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Tim. I'm glad to be with you today. Excellent. And Robert, I've known you for, I think it's 12 years now, and I've always been fascinated by the the work you've been doing on on leadership development and and executive talent. But um, for those that don't know you so well, please just tell us a little bit more about your role at Cisco. I'm a director in our Conscious Leaders and Team Solutions area. And so this is our way of focusing on the classic COE or practice area, but we're trying to frame it in a more outcome-focused way. Uh, Last September, we started a process where we're reimagining what HR could be and how it could be more agile, more responsive, and we've even renamed it the function to represent our focus on people and communities. So we're not known as HR anymore. We're known as uh, the people and communities function. And so I'm in a, what would be a classic COE, but like I said, we're trying to reimagine this in a very outcome-focused manner. And how is Cisco approaching the, the current crisis that we find ourselves in from a leadership perspective? Tell us a bit more about your role in this. I guess the way to best characterize our approach is that we're trying to be as balanced and rational as possible while we're leveraging the technology to support as many people as possible, both inside and outside of Cisco. So there's a lot of effort in reaching out to all the communities we serve, special finance programs for partners and customers. There's extra efforts on giving back into the communities, donating video equipment from offices that aren't being used, so we're donating it to healthcare. We're offering WebEx, the collaboration platform, for free for 90 days and lots of extra support. Uh, we're giving extra support and understanding to all of our employees who are facing challenges. You know, they're working from home while they're caring for loved ones, homeschooling children, dealing with the pandemic. So we're really focusing the message on take care of yourself and take care of your teams and your people. So basically, in a nutshell, we're, we're leveraging the best of the balance sheet and the culture to help everybody get through this together. And my own team, we're busier than ever. We're offering extra support to our leaders. We're doing extra coaching sessions, uh, virtual team health checks. So, yeah, my team's keeping quite busy through this. Yeah, I know you've had to be quite agile with your, your time on, on this as well. So it's a, a tough time all around, isn't it? And today we're going to be talking about something slightly different to COVID-19 and not sort of directly linked, but probably quite refreshing for our listeners to hear about something a bit different. So we're going to be talking about building cross-generational teams. And we talked about this before the crisis sort of kicked off, but I think it is still very relevant. And, and obviously there's some interesting links into the situation we currently find ourselves in. What are some of the key areas to consider when building cross-generational teams? So safe harbor statement, I'm no expert here. I'm just a fellow traveler who's done some extra thinking and research. And let me give you a bit of background. About four years ago, I inherited a team that was successful, but at its fail. And I decided that one of the ways I was going to re-energize it was through building the most diverse team as possible. I'm talking full-spectrum diversity. I wanted as many different opinions as possible at the table. And one of these was generational. So I built a team where I've got team members whose ages range from those just getting out of university to grandparents. And then they also spend from Bangalore to the Bay Area, Boston, over to London. 
So I didn't set out to prove anything. I just wanted the most diverse team I could have. And I basically stumbled, or I guess stubbed my toe on the generational stuff. And once I had that first stumbling, I realized, okay, this is a bit deeper than I had thought. And so I started to watch and I started to learn. We had, we had an offsite. It, this was very earthy on it, brought the whole team together. And we were just talking about our thoughts, our perceptions of the team, what we wanted, didn't want, you know, your standard building session. And one of the members of the team, one of the millennials, she had made a comment of how all of her friends were wondering why she was working with so many old people in an old company. And then another lady, another millennial, looked across the table at her and said, oh, no, I, I don't look at that as a problem. I look at that as an opportunity because all these 45-year-olds are going to retire in a few years and there's going to be more opportunities for us. You can feel the tension in the room because the 45-year-olds, the, the Gen Xs are sitting there saying, thinking, whoa, wait a minute, I'm not ready to retire. And then the couple baby boomers I had were sort of like, uh, who are you calling old? So it was it cut the tension. And, and so I thought, wow, okay, there's something here. So I really started to, to lean into it. And, and to see, you know, what I could learn from this. And there's a couple things I picked up. One is that people from different generations, they do look at things differently. And, and that's good. I can remember airmail envelopes when I first moved from the U.S. to Europe. And a big portion of my team would only have seen it maybe on TV or maybe in a stationary shop. You know, for them, email is their slowest communication medium they've experienced. So if you got some team members who remember airmail envelopes, and that was the best way to get a message from Europe to the U.S., and the next group of people think, you know, email's the slowest thing that they've ever experienced, prefer to use texting or instant messaging, there's going to be a very different contextual framework for how fast things should change. So just that basic difference, it's like, okay, how fast should we have change? That's going to be a very different perception. Diversity was another area where I realized people are looking at this different. A lot of the people who um, in the team were Gen X, what they were taught when they were growing up is, okay, just don't beat up on people because they're different. Okay, let, you know, let, let everyone have a seat at the table. And then the millennial and, and even some of my Gen Z, the interns we're getting, are like, wait a minute, stop making up for past wrongs when we're talking diversity. We want to get everyone's perspectives in. So there's real fundamental ways of looking at things, and, and if you're open to it, it's really good. Solving problems. The, the, the Gen Xers were raised more focused on solving things individually. My, my millennials and Gen Z on my team you know, are more focused on teams and doing things collectively in a group. And... Another interesting story here, I, I was sitting there with my daughter when she was younger a few years ago, and we were watching a cartoon, and in this cartoon, it was Kung Fu Panda and the Secret of the Scrolls, and in this, the main character, Kung Fu Panda, there was a problem, and the bad guy was coming through the valley, wrecking all kinds of havoc, and Kung Fu Panda assembles a little group of misfits, essentially, and working as a team with all of their different strengths they had as misfits, they were able to, to conquer the bad guy. And as we're watching this, I remember she was in a class called Be the Best You Can Be. And I said, hey, where's your notebook? And so I grabbed the notebook and I'm looking through it. And what they were teaching her and her friends, you know, things around teams, around strengths, you know, using the rest of your strengths around accepting everybody. And I thought to myself, wow, if this is what she's being taught in school, 
a lot of the current company cultures, these kids aren't going to want to work in there. So for me, it's, there was this whole thing around the culture of how do you solve problems. You know, so you've got, if, if I think about it in terms of just looking at things differently, even things like on change, diversity, how do you solve problems, they're very different. And I guess my tip would be just don't accept that they're different. Embrace it because that can really to the quality of your decision-making when trying to solve a problem. So that's one thing. At the end of the day, all the team members do need the same things. So while we're different, we're also all the same. You know, we all need on the team psychological safety. We all need to know what the goal of the team is. We need to know the team members have our back. We need feedback on how we're doing. But the frame of mind we have to interpret it is going to be very different. So while we're all different, we're also all the same. One tip I use with some of the leaders I've been coaching is don't assume. Really kind of be curious, ask questions. But remember, asking is only going to get you so far. If you start to ask too many questions, what is your group like? What is this group like? It's just going to get into stereotyping. So my recommendation to, to these leaders I'm coaching is to get close. There's a term Brian Stevenson from the Equal Justice Initiative uses, which I love, called get proximate. Because the better you can understand and empathize, the better leader you're going to be and the stronger the team's going to be. So really get close and get proximate to the different generations on your team. And then what goes without saying role model, role model what you want to see your team doing. You know, this is going to be new learning for everybody because we have different generations in the workforce. Everyone's got different needs. And so just you got to role model it. And then I think the last tip would be to be you, but the best you as a leader if you're leading this team. So like if you're a Gen X leader, don't try to be young and hip. I mean, you might be going through a midlife crisis, trying to get down with the next generation. It's not really going to help. They don't want a friend to party with. They want a professional leader to guide them and open up doors and opportunities. So make sure you're being the best you can in that role. If you're a Gen X leader and you're looking at, you know, look at ways to reinvent yourself. The last time you got any personal professional development was when you did your MBA. You might have some catching up to do. So those are a few tips that I would offer based on the experience of some of the research that I've read. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Great advice there and some, some excellent tips. And look, Robert, you've worked very globally in your career. And you know, does this approach need to be tailored by, by geography, particularly in different cultures, as well as perhaps you look at the, the likes of Japan, for example, very hierarchical culture. How do you sort of weave in the, with the cross-generational work, and also the, the sort of cross-cultural global sort of meshing of this? Well, in short, yes, you have to weave it in, and no. I mean, I'm sorry, but it, it, it's complicated once you start to get cultures involved. I think at a basic level, most of the research, the articles and books are based on the U.S. So depending on where you're at, you may want to take some of the findings with a grain of salt. And also to look very carefully at which aspect of work you're speaking about. Cultural differences and perceptions of work practices exist. We've known that for years. And so the perceptions of work, work practices, it's moderated by the country you're in as well. It's, so your perception of healthcare benefits, if you're in like the UK or Norway, where it's kind of standard for everybody with a strong national insurance program, it's going to be very different than someplace like the US where there's little programs or in some of the developing countries where there's little access to healthcare. So I very much balance it, but also remember that some things are the same globally for, for different generations, like technology. If you're in a business environment, 
Gen Y and Gen Z across the globe are going to be much more fully fluent, where Gen X is going to see new technology as more of a hurdle, same with, with, with a lot of baby boomers. So it's when we start looking at culture, we've, we've just got to ask some more questions and, and be more observant. And to remember that what was going on in our team members' formative years in that country is going to look different. So there was some, there's some research to suggest that in mainland China, Gen Y team members are more like American Gen X in terms of favoring work performance over personal life. And these researchers were saying, you know, maybe that's due to the one-child policy. And then mm -hmm. the same research was, was looking at you know, many South African Gen Y team members were more highly ranking race-based equality. So you're going to get some big differences depending on what's happening, what was happening in different countries. One rule of thumb that I've been using is I ask myself, what was going on in this team member's world when they were 14? That will help you get closer. It'll help you get curious. I'd be careful not to rely on stereotypes. Mm. You know, individual personality outweighs national culture. Individual personality outweighs generation. You know, national culture and generation are additive things. And, that, and I guess that's where it's the, you know, the leader really comes their own around sort of observing, listening, making sure there's an inclusive environment and the team itself, really, just to make sure it's the right open forum, essentially. It's, it's where team leadership becomes more of an art than a science. You know, there's no one set rule. So in terms of sort of the role of HR and function, or the, or the, you know, the COE that you sort of sit in, you know, creating this culture of inclusive decision-making and problem-solving, what is the role then that you and the HR function can play in sort of setting the, laying the groundwork for this? So the 90s and early 2000s, it was almost, we still had that culture where there's a sole decision-maker at the top. Some of yeah. this came from, you know, just how org models have evolved. And I think this century so far, has proved, if anything, it's hard to, you can't plan for the future. You know, between, between the dot-com, we started off with the dot-com, the peak of the dot-com, then we had the bust, then we had the financial crisis, and now we have the COVID crisis. So, you know, we can't plan. We've got to be as, as agile and inclusive as possible to be successful. And I think HR has a huge role to play in this, because this is the function that's most often task with shaping the values and culture of the company. We like to say that's the leaders that do it, but oftentimes the leaders rely on us to lead and guide them. So I think it's HR needs to take a look at, are we organized and are we operating in a way to role model and kind of generate the inclusivity and, and the better decision-making and the more agile problem-solving? Interesting. So, look, what can we learn from certain industries and, and companies that are, that are doing this well? And I'll, I'll put Cisco in there. But anything you can share on that from your experiences? I like what we're doing a lot. I don't want to, like, name anybody in particular because, you know, being an outsider, I may not know the full story of, of what's happening in. I would, I would role model against companies who are actively trying to reinvent themselves. So I've heard of great things happening you know, as I'm talking to some of the bigger blue chip companies, the uh, Cokes, the GEs of the world, people that are trying to do things differently, you know, they may have a reputation or a legacy of doing things one way, but people that are, that are actively trying to change. And with smaller companies, I would benchmark myself against those that are able to withstand some of the ups and downs of the economy. You can be 
inclusive and agile and everything when times are good, but how do you do it when times are bad? So that, that's the ones I, I would take a look at. I think, you know, at the end of the day, to be adaptable and keep up with the times, you've got to really make a conscious effort. From this environment, we know, you know we're going to have to make a conscious effort to change the way we're doing things. Do you feel that in the tech industry in particular, there's a, there's a huge sort of war for talent around, well, across all industries really, but around the sort of Gen Zs and, you know, new generations? You know, how do you how do you attract those types of talent to a Cisco, or how do you how do you bring them into a culture and and get those guys into into sort of t- um, established teams? And is there anything there that you you, you can share? Yeah, I, I think you've got to create you've got to consciously create that environment that they're going to want to come work in. Mm. And this was this was that learning I had a few years ago when I was watching the, that cartoon with my kid. I'm just you know I'm thinking if we're creating this environment, if, if she's being taught that the environment that she wants to work in, to thrive in, is one that brings out your strengths, encourages you to be your best, encourages you to respect others, um, encourages you to work as a team, encourages you to think that you know people are people will use different pronouns based on their gender identity. If they're encouraging that as you're going to school and as you're going to university and then you get into a work environment where, you know, the leaders look like something out of Mad Men, you know, or the ideas are based in the 1990s or worse, the 1980s of how things are structured and you get in and you're supposed to do as you're told, that's not going to be engaging at all. So I think it's very much of, of looking companies, oh, leaders need to look at themselves and look at that environment they're creating. Um, and one danger often happens is leaders leaders of a certain age will look at the next generations and think of their kids and say, well, you know, this is what my kids want. This is what my kids need. And that's a, that's a dangerous thing to do because you're not hiring kids. You're not hiring your kids. You're hiring adults. But mm. they're coming with different expectations and different wants and needs. From our side, you know, we're seeing a lot of a lot of cultural change in organizations, but, it, but it, you know, there's still a long way to go, um, even though, you know, a lot of the right efforts um, occurring. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly interesting times. I don't think you can wait to, 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 emphasize, to focus on that or to emphasize on the culture of your company if you're a leader or if you're a senior HR professional because time moves fast. And, it, um, you know, five, ten years will go by quickly, and it takes a long time to change cultures, especially in a big organization. And then once we come out of these, you know, lockdowns and sheltering around the world, we're going to have to enter a new way of working with each other physically. So that's going to force us all to change quite drastically. And we, we've heard it a lot where you know, companies have still said to us that we're we're quite a traditional, you know, conservative culture and and it's slow, you know, slow moving and, and slow decision making. But you know, we're trying to we're trying to kind of ramp up our digital. Uh, a digital talent building capability in, in certain areas, certain markets, and the two just don't marry up. There's a bit of a gap there, and um, you know it's often harder to, to to sort of change that organizational culture, isn't it? But but it needs to happen from that sort of uh, talent attraction perspective. Um, We've been quite successful, and we encourage our leaders to stop being to not to be afraid to try to change. Don't get penalized for changing, and then you know the startup mentality: fail early, fail often, fail fast. So, you know, try some changes. If it doesn't work, regroup, you know, and then start small. You don't have to change, you don't have to change the whole ship all at once. You know, but you can be doing a lot of small experiments to try to change things and then letting it build what the energy is. Fantastic. And 
Robert, we've covered a lot today. I mean, really appreciate your, your insights there. Any, any other final final thoughts or comments that you would like to close off with? Yeah, I think the thing is, is that when during the, the during the space race back in the 60s, you know, all these new technologies were created to, you know, to put a man on the moon and everything, and also a lot of new terminology, um, new words were created. So this idea of of reentry, and you know, reentry was when the capsule, space capsule, was coming through the atmosphere, and if they got the angle and the timing just right, you know, and the heat shields were working, it was it was the, the capsule would come through the atmosphere, the parachutes would open. And it would land safely, and the reentry was beautiful. And I'm thinking about that a lot right now. Is in terms of you know once we reenter from you know seven, eight, twelve weeks of, of isolation and lockdown, how are we going to reenter? How are we personally going to reenter the workplace? How are we going to reenter it with our teams, with our organizations? And I would just encourage everybody to start thinking about that right now. Is what's your reentry strategy going to be? Because it can either be something that's going to work really well or it could be something that could be a bit of a disaster. So, you know, now would be the time to, to start thinking and planning it a bit. Wise words there. Good. So that was Dr. Robert Kovacs, Director of Leader Success at Cisco, discussing building cross-generational teams. For more insight from Robert, do have a look at Robert's website where you will, um, you'll find some great blogs and insights. So, robert-kovacs.com. That's robert-kovacs.com. Thank you so much, Robert. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.